Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I've been around security for the last 20 years, and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I was intrigued to learn how company starts. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is also affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have a pleasure today to talk to Sivan about her journey and her company. Sivan, can you please tell us about yourself and the company? Thank you so much for having me today, Evgeny. My name is Sivan Teila. I'm the founder and CEO of Onyxia. Onyxia is a CPM platform, cybersecurity performance management platform. We're doing many cool things that I'm more than happy to share later on in this conversation. I basically started my career like many other Israelis in the army. I served for 10 years in the Israeli Defense Forces as a cybersecurity officer. I was the CISO of the Research and Analysis Division and the head of the Information Security Unit in the Intelligence Corps. Later, I worked for other defense industries, critical infrastructures. I joined YU Yeshiva University as program director and professor of cybersecurity as part of the master's degree program. And almost a year ago, I decided to found Onyxia. And since then, it's been an incredible journey. So I'm wondering, and we'll talk about the launch because I know you just literally went out of stealth. What motivated you a year ago to start the company? Is a problem you saw in the industry, frustration in the industry? Like, I would like to really know what happens there. So I think it was a very interesting way for me to make such a decision. There are many entrepreneurs who are getting into this all crazy journey from different places. But for me, it was really about solving a pain that I've experienced as a CISO. CISO is basically handling many challenges and it can be such an overwhelming role. They have all those external threats all the time. Every two seconds, a company is being hacked by ransomware attacks. And on the other end, they have all those security solutions in place. And it's really hard to keep up with what's going on. And this reality of handling incidents, patching vulnerabilities, makes CISOs today be more reactive than proactive. And I realized that it's really hard to make smart decisions when you're not relying on data and strategy. And that's what made me to basically focus on solving this problem of helping security leaders to make faster, smarter decisions based on strategies, based on KPIs, key performance indicators when it comes to cybersecurity, but also making sure that it's still connected and relevant to their day-to-day workflow, basically making strategic decisions on a day-to-day basis. I think KPIs are very important. We see many people buying technologies because they are sexy, they're AI or something else. But then later on, like, how do you know it's actually working for you? How do you know there's a return on investment in this particular solution or whatever you're doing in the company? Exactly. And it's really hard to measure because when you're doing a POC with a solution, you're usually looking to solve a specific problem in a specific domains. But then you find yourself implement a solution on top of another solution on top of another solution. And it's really hard to really measure the value that you basically get from those solutions. And as a CISO, you always look at the bigger picture, right? You need to always stay on top of the capacity of your people, your processes, 
and the capabilities that you have based on the technologies you have in place. And we're providing this holistic perspective with actionable insights, with relevant data that is based on intelligence that we aggregate, that is based on the relevant KPIs and KLIs, key risk indicators of a specific company. We do those very advanced correlations and provide CISOs all the information they need. And on top of that, we even do that on mobile. Today, most of the companies basically develop web apps, dashboards. And when I spoke to with CISOs, when I validated the idea and the product, I realized that Many CISOs don't even have the credentials to all of their dashboards. They have someone else who manage them. They getting some reports from time to time. But my dream as a CISO was to be able to wake up in the morning, have my coffee, and just scroll on my phone. And we're in a place where I can basically get all the bottom lines, all the things I need to know, all the things I need to do today. Like I'm asking Alexa in the morning, hey, Alexa, how's the weather today? I want to ask Onyxia, hey, Onyxia, what are the top three things I should do today? What are the top three things I should be afraid of today? How I can solve it? What's next? Just to get all the bottom lines, all the information I need in a very fast and efficient way. I think it's very smart. Now, there's more than 2,000, 2,000 vendors on the market. So when you had this idea, what was the validation process to say, okay, I think it's great, but would people actually buy it? So that's obviously something that before you're making such a life-changing decision of founding your own company, you obviously need to went through this whole validation process. I spoke to CISOs, I leveraged my network of CISOs, security experts to really understand what is the real pain that they're experiencing in this field. When I started it, was really hard because there was no Gartner category. I was talking about a strategy and performance platform or strategy and management platform, but it wasn't something that everyone could really relate to. Sometimes it's easier when someone like Gartner basically defined those terms in the new categories. And then not so long ago in July, 2022, Gartner came up with a new report that basically defined this all new category of CPM, cyber performance management, and what it should basically include. And the fact, and they basically mentioned some of the main PLRs as part of this category, basically make smarter investments, increase your ROI, the return on investment, maximize the capabilities and capacities of your teams, and to also be able to communicate better with executives and board members, which is also something that we sometimes understand that a gap since security leaders, they're focusing on all those technical stuffs, but at the end of the day, they really need to communicate the bottom lines to executives and other business shareholders or partners in the company. And it's much easier to do that when you get precise accurate, focused insights based on all of your security stack and in external intelligence in one place. So you have an idea, you have your validation, looks like CISO like the idea, what's next step? Do you go and raising money, hiring people? I'll tell you a nice story. I knew nothing about raising money back then. It was all new to me. I'm, I'm a security expert. That's what I did. Never really had so many opportunities to handle uh, business things in the companies I've worked at. So I had to really learn a lot about this whole process, how it goes. And I'm a self-learner and I was very motivated. So I learned. 
But the way I got my first investor was very surprising and unexpected. I'm doing pedal boarding on the Hudson. We call that in Israel, stand up pedal boarding. And it's something that I'm doing since I lived in Israel. And when I moved to New York, the first thing I, I was to look for a place for a boathouse where I can store my board and take it to pedal whenever I have time. And I made myself a challenge to pedal to Statue of Liberty from the Intrepid Museum in, in Pier 84 on the Hudson and back. And that was like my challenge for the summer back then. And I took a group of friends. They were on a kayak. I was on my board and we pedaled there. On the way back, it was so windy and it was so hard to pedal back. And my friends on the kayak, they were so fast. Basically, they continued and they were too far. And then out of nowhere, showed up someone on a kayak, someone I never met before. And then we started to talk. And I was talking about this whole idea of what I'm building. And after this long battle, uh, we stayed in touch and he became my first investor, actually. You say, so you say hobbies is actually good for you? <laughs> saying that you can never know and, but when you leave your ID you don't even realize sometimes that you pitch because you're so excited about what you're doing and you take advantage of any opportunity to pitch random people to tell anyone <laughs> around you what you're doing and you can never know where they, those investors and people where you basically find them that was just a fun story but obviously all of my other investors are Great investors. If there is something I realized in this journey is that you really need to find the right match for you. Those people who you can build relationship with and relationships are all about trust. And I think that was really something that was important to me. And so far, they really prove themselves as my biggest supporters, even in hard times. And I think for any entrepreneur, it's such an important thing. Like I really feel I have their back and that was very helpful. I raised money from World Trade Ventures, Silvotech Ventures, founders of St. Paris, which is a UGM and very successful and cyber company in the identity space that I really like. And yeah, I'm surrounded by great people, not only investors, but obviously also my team, all of them really great. So you went and raised money. This is great. What's next? Are you trying to build a prototype? Are you trying to build a product? How do you actually navigate? How far do you build before you go and try to sell it? So it's always a fine line, right? Because you don't want to build something that is not mature enough. But on the other end, you want to go to market as fast as possible in order to get an extra validation for the product and to make sure that it is a product market fit. I think what was important for me is to make sure that we're building something that is connected to the market. I got very fast design partners, mid-size and up, mid-size and enterprises, those are our target customers. We understand that they usually have a more mature security environment, so we can get better insights into their environment. And at any stage after developing each feature, we used to get back to them and hear a feedback about what we've done. Even if it was a hard feedback to hear, we really wanted to make sure that what we're building is relevant and it's connected and it brings value. At the end of the day, you're selling value. And that's what we always need to validate. And validation is an ongoing process. It's not a one-time thing to do. You're a relatively young company and you just came out of stealth. What was your decision? How quickly to get out of stealth or stay in stealth 
to continue creating the software and the solution. So this whole concept of stealth mode, it's also an interesting thing. It's something that is relatively new. Most of the companies back in the days used to have a name. They used to be out there. And whenever they were ready, they used to come out. I don't think we ever were really under the radar. We were talking about what we were doing, but we maybe didn't use extremely heavy PR or marketing uh, efforts around this. And as I mentioned, it's a very fine line. Eventually, uh, we decided to, to launch or to share an announcement about the first version of the product when we felt that we can bring value with this version and that companies will be willing to actually pay for this value. I didn't get into all those details, but besides the core product, we have a, a complimentary mobile app that we also just released and you can find it in App Store and in Google Store where basically any security expert can get customized Intel feed and get notifications to their phone on any intelligence insights or news that might be relevant for them or interesting for them. And we developed it as part of our product, but then we realized why not just share this nice thing with the world for free just to create a community around this and to allow people to get relevant news because there is no one place that basically can get you all the information you need about specific incidents or specific things that are interested for your business. So it's a customized Intel feed. Anyone can use it. We didn't plan to release it separately, but we realized that there is a value it's something that people can enjoy. So why not? So it really depends. And on the other end, with the core product, we postponed it a few times because we wanted to make some adjustments. It's hard for me to tell when I decided. I think it's really when you feel that you're ready and that you're not going to potentially ruin some potential relationships with customers on one end. And on the other end, you want to go to market as soon as possible because it's a competitive field and we want to get them basically. <laughs> How far your original idea and version one are connected? Because you had an idea and now you have version one. Is there a big difference? Yes. Before I raised, I did prototype. And now when I'm going back to what I did a year ago, it looked so different. But I think that's the beauty. It's always evolving. I believe that in a year from now, the product will look also much different, maybe more robust. And it's, it's evolving. That's the fun part of it. If you can go back a year ago, and recommend something to yourself to do differently, what would you recommend? I think that as a first timer in this raising money process, I realized that it's really about the people. I think that maybe when I met my investors, I knew that this is it. But before that, I think that I maybe spoke with some investors that I knew that they're not a really good fit for me. I think now I'm looking at things a little bit from a different perspective. And again, trying to focus on relationships and not contacts and not to have like as many contacts as possible, but to really surround myself with people I trust and that I can rely on because it's super important to have this stability, I would say, and uh, trust with people and that you're surrounded by as an entrepreneur. We're going to transition to what we call dark side. Everybody is listening. Please continue listening and share with your friends. In the dark side, we talk about stuff that didn't go well as we expected. So maybe what you can share to us, what didn't go as you expected, could be customers meeting, raising money, or bad days in general that you're like, oh my God, why am I doing here? 
can go back to become a CISO and just stop with it. I think the hardest part is deadlines because as entrepreneur and the CEO, you always need to stick to some deadlines or create deadlines for yourself and for the company. And I, I knew a little bit about building products, but when you do that as in your day-to-day -day job, you understand that there are so many technical challenges and so many things that can come up. There was a time when we were trying to train an algorithm. We're using AI to make sure that we're providing as accurate as possible insights to customers. And we're trying to get to a, some level of accuracy with this algorithm. And the whole company went crazy around this. Like my team worked I think it was like 20 hours a day to follow this algorithm and to be able to tag so many resources and lines. And it's so hard. AI is hard. <laughs> In order to do this good, you really need to work hard. And we had a deadline. And I usually like to put some deadlines that you can't move, like a conference. A conference is a great deadline because you can't move it. If there is a conference, we're participating in it and we need to show something. So let's make sure we have something. But we didn't make it with what we wanted and we released a very basic version of the basic version. And I wasn't happy, but that's life. And that's something that some people tell you that sometimes you're, you're more optimistic, but sometimes it's just not work the way you planned and deadlines are just deadlines but life have their own <laughs> so what do you do when you have a bad day do you meditate run going on a sub how do you get back to yourself so i have to admit that in the past year i'm doing much less than i used to sap used to be my addiction i was like being on the water disconnect from the world was something like I used to call that active meditation. I think I found it easier in the past year to do a shorter workout. It's easier for me to squeeze a 20 minute workout in my schedule, either than running a half marathon or pedaling to Statue of Liberty and back for four hours. So I still do that, but less often than I used to. I love running. I love live concerts. That's like something that I think once a month I find an evening where I can really disconnect and focus on music. And obviously being in New York is a huge advantage because there are many great live concerts here. I've been spending time with my daughter. Maybe I should have started with that, but she's really my source of energy and the reason why I'm waking up in the morning and doing what I'm doing. Fair. How was the transition from being a CISO, a person that people call and sell, to become a person that now call and sell to other CISO? Wow, that's a great question. I remember myself as a CISO. When I used to get emails from vendors, I used to jump on calls with sales guys and I used to tell them, hey, can we please skip to the fourth meeting so I can speak directly with your engineer to understand if it's a good fit or not. So I remember this experience and I'm trying to be very sensitive to CISO's time and to have more of a technical, strategic, professional conversations either than sales meetings. And I think that's the way to sell <laughs> best to professionals because at the end of the day, as a CISO, you recognize very fast if something is a good fit for you or not. And they're usually very familiar with the market and they just, they don't have time. They're overwhelmed. That's the problem we're trying to solve. So we're not trying to cause them more overwhelming experiences.
this is interesting part in your opinion do i have to be very quick very technical to understand the fit for the customer or maybe i need to create a report first some kind of conversation that you know i'm a human being and actually like talking to you and then sell me something or explain to me how it's working yeah, obviously, I think uh, technical or not technical, it's something that comes usually later in the process. I think it's mainly about building relationships. I'm going back to this point. At the end of the day, with customers, you're building relationships. Relationships are based on trust. And the trust is something that you build when you're really able to get to meet the person behind the screen or the person in front of you and the other side of the table. Technical things. I also realize that many times... And the technical conversations are being made not directly with the CISOs, but many times it's with their people. So it really depends on the organization and the way it's structured, but I think it starts with the human beings. Awesome. Sivan, thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking to you today. A lot of good things and happy to talk to you in the future as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Evgeny. I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. Awesome. Everybody that's still listening, thank you very much for being here. Please share with your friends and tell us what you think.